Hey, this is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister at the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. This is a teaching podcast from uh, the sermons I give at, uh, at our church. We'd love for you to check us out online, eaglechurchofchrist.com. Uh, you can find out all about us there. We'd love to have you visit us in person. This week, we're continuing our Stronger series. We're talking about discipleship. Uh, we're talking about what discipleship means and following Jesus and how that impacts our life. And I hope that you find this very valuable uh, in your life. Again, we hope to see you soon. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you. We are glad that you're here. Uh, for all those who are here in person, for all those worshiping online with us this morning, um, if, if you're wondering where everyone is, I think they were in the first service today. Uh, we had, uh, first of all, we had the Johnsons back, so that, that's a big crew, uh, but we had, uh, we had a very large number uh, in here this morning. So any church I've ever been a part of that had two services, the early service was always the sparsely attended one. So I'm not sure if you guys can fill me in on what's happening here while we're choosing one over the other. I'd love to know. Uh, but uh, again, we're glad that you're here at this time uh, to worship with us. Uh, also, just want to say we're, we're glad Robert's back. Robert's been taking care of Pam at home, and she's doing a lot better. We are, we are grateful for that and continued prayers for them. Uh, I've had several of you ask. Uh, our youngest has had croup, so he's had that old barking cough that sounds horrible. Uh, and I asked him this morning, I said, I said, Logan, how do you feel? And he looked and said, well, Daddy, I feel a little bit good. I said, okay. We, we can roll with that. So uh, uh, certainly certainly appreciate the prayers on, on their behalf as well. Uh, we continue uh, this morning. I think we're only going to do a couple more uh, weeks in this series, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revamp it a little bit and start in something else. But uh, throughout this summer, we've been talking about a stronger summer. Again, just drawing closer to God is what we've been encouraging each other to do all along the way. And uh, this week, as Tammy asked me for a verse, I actually gave her one that we had talked about just a few weeks ago, and she even got a different graphic for it. So she's on, on, on point, if you saw the bulletin. Um, but we're, we're going to Matthew 28 to begin, and the Great Commission. That has been one of our kind of go-to verses. Like we're we're going to go to Acts 2, and we know all about Acts 2, right? Churches of Christ are going to know Acts 2 and verse 38. Uh, this is right up there with it, Matthew 28. Uh, in verses 19 and 20. And in this, I'm going to read this in just a second, but in this, you, you see this call to discipleship. And that's what you saw on the graphic before, is that today we're talking about a stronger discipleship. And so as we come to a, a, you know, a topic like this, we have to ask the question, well, what is discipleship? Am I a disciple just because I have been baptized or I have said I'm going to follow Jesus? Or is there more to it? Okay, so, so what is it? How do, we, how do we attain that? How do we live more into that idea? Let's begin with this, these two verses. Jesus says to his disciples right before he, he goes back to the Father, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That's why we like this verse, y'all. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always in the very end of the age. And so right before Jesus goes away, he feels it is important to tell his disciples, this is not the end. We don't get to this moment in time 
where you have been alongside me going through this ministry. You've even seen me crucified. This is not a time to just put on cruise control and be done, right? He challenges the disciples to say, go, you go and make other disciples of all nations. And I think this is something we don't like fall into accidentally most of the time. Um, I, I share a story about a buddy of mine in college who didn't, he wasn't raised in the church. He said, John, you know, I don't know, I don't even know these, uh, these stories that the kids are taught. You know, I didn't grow up hearing our Bible stories from, you know, most of them are Old Testament, you know, people who are doing amazing things. I didn't know those, but one day he, he came to me, he had come to church with me a few times, especially when I'd go back home. He said, John, I, I want to be baptized. And I thought, oh. How many of you, you know, just have somebody walk up to you, hey, I want to be baptized. I'm, yeah, let's do it. But he, he said, you know, it, it, I have seen kind of the way you live and uh, kind, of a, kind of a philosophy of life almost that I want to live for God, and that's what makes my life great, not, not pursuing these other things. And so in that moment, I actually felt bad because we hadn't sat down and had uh, Robert the personal evangelism, you know. It had been seen through, I guess, the way I was living. And as I look on my life back then, I think, man, God must have been at work because I wasn't being the greatest example. Because I've told you guys before, I brag about my first degree that I, I was able to finish those four years in only five and a half. Because <laughs> John liked to stay up and play video games and sleep in. That's also the time in my life where I realized mothers absolutely have a radar in their head that knows what you're doing or not doing. Because every time I would lay out of church, my mom, my mom, would call me and ask me if I went to church. It got to the point where it was, it, I almost laughed about it because um, she, would, she would call, and I might as well answer the phone and said, no, I didn't go. Sorry, Mom. I didn't go. I was, I was being lazy. Uh, and so even at a time like that, you know, it is, it is good to, to be thinking about, well, what is my life reflecting? We've talked about that. We've talked about having a fruit that your life is a, is a kind of fruit that you see evidence when we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, that your life is, is putting forth something that everyone can see. Now, what is that? Everyone is putting out something that we can see your life. Now, is that good or bad? Is it, is it bringing people closer to God or is it not? But I think most of the time, even though we, we can at the way we live our life, I think we have to be intentional about that. We have to think about, all right, how do I act around people when I leave this building? You know, we, we can't just leave here. We've got the smile on. As soon as you get out the back door, you go, all right, let's do this. You know, I'm, it's, it's meanness from here on out. And so when I go to different places, when I'm cut off in traffic, when I'm in uh, the supermarket and somebody cuts in front of me or they're in the 20 items or less and you know they've got 30, mm, how do you react to that? We have to be intentional about making disciples because Jesus said, you go make disciples of just your friends and family, right? What does he say up there, church? Of all nations, everyone. Doesn't matter if they're a different gender or ethnicity or anything that, that might, you know, well, I, I only, you know, I'm only close to these people. No, you go make disciples of all nations. So you have to do that intentionally. I want to uh, focus your uh, attention on Acts chapter six. This was actually my focus passage, but I couldn't find any like good uh, 
uh, good scriptures in here that would make a good graphic like Tammy does so well, uh, because it's more telling a story. <laughs> so uh, great commission and go make disciples just kind of, you know, it hits you. This is Acts chapter 6. I want you to notice how, how this was handled. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. So Greek-speaking, Hellenistic, versus the Hebrew Jews, speaking Aramaic. So they have a problem. Uh, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows, the Hellenistic widows, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food that could be translated food ministry. So they have a food ministry making sure people are taken care of, and the Hellenistic, the Greek-speaking Jews, those ladies were being overlooked. They were not getting the food they needed. So, so the 12, so you've got the apostles there, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, we'll go with that, uh, Parmenas, Nicholas, and Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So what we see here is there is a, an early example of a potential church conflict. Anybody been a part of one of those before? They can be kind of nasty. But, but this is a good example of how to handle things. So many times we, we come with a problem. Hey, I have been slighted, or somebody I know, my family has been slighted. They're not getting the food ministry. And so we come and we throw a fit and we point and we say, hey, what, what's all this? But notice how, how well they handled this. First of all, they come to the 12 and the 12 say, you know what, it wouldn't be right. We're supposed to be men of the word who are out here teaching and, and preaching and doing all of these things. So we need to get some other guys. How many times in our churches do our elders do so much deacon work, right? Because we come to this section and we, we say, well, this is the first deacon. Well, maybe. The problem with it is the, the word there for deacon is servant. It just means servant, so it's hard to kind of figure out when all that is. But I believe this was just men who were serving the church. But the 12 realized in that moment it would be irresponsible of them to go away from what God had called them to to do this. So many of the times in our church we have elders who feel so responsible for the church that they won't walk away from any of it. And they stretch themselves thin, and you talk about people being overlooked. But notice how the 12 handle this. But what they do is they say, all right, well, choose from among you guys that you think might be good one day as leaders, right? No. Choose from among you these men who are already at this moment full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Now, a lot of times we think, well, if I choose brother so-and-so, hopefully he'll grow into this role. Well, that's wrong thinking. What we choose when we choose deacons or elders, we choose people who are already doing it. And even better yet, if you choose people who would do it no matter what title you gave them, people who already have a heart for the church, who are already full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom and know I need to be a servant right here. 
And so that's how they handled this. They handled this with people who uh, had these gifts already. One of the most healthy things I think I've experienced uh, with a church was at the Walnut Church of Christ, a church of about, when I was there, probably 500 to 550. And uh, uh, what they would say was, you know, in a big church, things are different. I told you guys this, you know, as we're growing, things are going to change. You're going to feel a little weird because things are changing. But a big church, that's always true because you've got so many people that want to do different things. And what they said in that church is, if you see a ministry that needs to happen, you can't just bring it in here and lay it at our feet and walk away. You have to bring it in here and be ready to, to be involved. You, you don't necessarily have to run it, but you better be ready. And so that's what a healthy church does to make disciples, is we get people involved. And so my challenge to you, one of my challenges to you this morning is, are you involved? Are you being used right now by the church? Are you, is, are you using your abilities God has given you? Because for a lot of us, sometimes we can get in a rut of just consuming, just being. How many people here in Acts 6 were just kind of hanging out? They were people of action. That's not even to say if we backed up just a few verses of how they were living together, how they were uh, worshiping with each other daily, how they were sharing things so they knew that those people needed things. So many times we will talk about, well, uh, we need to make sure our community, you know, we, we fill the needs of the community. Well, I don't know any of those people. The part of discipleship is, is knowing those people and being <laughs> taking Jesus into your community. What I want, to, uh, I want, to, what I want you to notice really quickly uh, in this first part here, it says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. And so you keep getting new people. That is what this church wants to do, right? We are planted in a place that is projected to grow exponentially. So new people coming in. All of a sudden, they have a very serious problem, not of, uh, hey, preacher, hey, elders, I don't like the color of the seats. Hey, guys, I hate the color you chose for the walls, you know, all the little goofy things we can fight about. This is actually people who are not getting fed. And so this is a potential church crisis, a church conflict, and it can go one way or the other. It can blow this thing up. We can say, I don't care about those people, those Greek speakers. I don't even speak that language. I don't care. Why would I care about them? They could have done that, or they could have said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to fill that ministry. We're going to, uh, as we make disciples, as this church is growing, we're going to handle that. And notice, you, you just heard how they handled it. Look there in verse 7. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And that's what's going to happen in this church if we are disciples. Any church I've been a part of, and I'm sure this is no different even though I'm new here, you see, if you come to many, many things, many events, you see a core group. And a lot of times, organizations will talk about the 80-20 rule, right? You heard that before? You got 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, right? And the, the fear there is that you're glad that those people are coming and working, but you're afraid they're going to burn out and then you won't have anybody left. And so uh, we, we see that, but I want to challenge you that to be able to go and make disciples of all nations, we first need to be disciples. 
We need to follow Jesus. We need to get involved. And again, just as these men were, were pulled out and you know they, they were seen as men who already had the Holy Spirit, they already have these things, they're already in ministry, we need to use our gifts. It is okay to say, hey, God hasn't gifted me in that way, but it is not okay to say, God has not gifted me just because I wish I had this gift or that. But to be disciples, uh, we have to get involved and do this. And if we do that, we'll be able to take care of each other, we'll understand each other's needs, and we'll understand the needs of our community and reach out. I do not want this to be a country club. Country clubs have their place, but that is not the church because all people are included in that. I want you to notice, I told you this was a very serious issue uh, that they're dealing with here. Uh, there's, a, there's a fantastic article by uh, James Mays that I want, I want to read. I know it's kind of lengthy there, but uh, he does some really good work. And this was, this was from an article in what he called Justice Perspectives from the Prophetic Tradition. That's a very great way of saying, I looked at the prophets in the Old Testament, here's what they say. Okay, so you go and you read the prophets, they are very serious about justice. Justice is... Uh, something I know that can be a buzzword for us, especially if you say social justice, but justice for the prophets uh, and scripture in general is there's no miscommunication. We have to be about it. Notice what, what May says here. He says, justice was in their language, in the language of the prophets here, uh, a moral value. It frequently appears in synonymous relation with uh, righteousness. Well, what is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing before God. So to have a synonymous relation there between the two, to have a right standing before God, you have to have justice for these people who don't have it. And in this text we just read, those are the people who need food and are being overlooked by the church. You have to make that right. You, we can go into justice and in, in a number of issues. We're not going to do that this morning. Uh, but, but that's what's at stake here that it is a moral thing for these people. Like God expects you, like, well, I'm going to stay out of the justice. No, you, you can't. Because God followers have to be people who want justice for everyone, not just me and my family, but for everyone. He says, uh, righteousness is a, qual a quality of intention and act, a characteristic of persons. It, present, it is present when a person tries to fulfill the possibilities of given or assumed relationships in a way that is fair and favorable to others. Doesn't that sound a lot like love your neighbor, right? That I, I want that for you, not just for me. I don't want to be that selfish guy that only, man, I'm only thinking about myself and what John wants. But that, that's what this is, that justice and righteousness going together, that's what this is, is that I want fair and favorable for everyone. He continues, he says, to do justice, they said, is to love good, to prefer that which makes for life. It is to hate evil, to avoid that which diminishes life. He says, because it was for them such a moral value, justice, its absence would disclose a radical flaw in the whole character of a person or institution of people, a.k.a. if you are not for justice of all people, there's a radical flaw within you, or if that's about your church, there's a radical flaw within that church because 
That is not what God is for. God is for justice. He says, it was not a separable item that could be isolated from total existence. Don't you love the educated wording there? Um, th- this is not terrible, but some of the things I, I, I read in my, in my studies, I go, who was this written for? Who picks one of these things up and says, man, I need, I need more words in here? Uh, but I love that he says that because he, he's exactly right. You go to the prophets, and it is not something to be separated. I'm just, ste- I'm just stepping out of this justice mess. No, you have to be for justice for all people. And that's what the 12 knew. That's what the apostles knew. And so they handled this in a way that said, all right, guys, men who are full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, people who are already plugged into the church, you know they were serving the church. You, you, pick, you pick men and let's, let's go to work. Because some of us have to have to handle this being in the Word all the time. Some of us have other things to do, and that's called being a part of the body. It's called being a disciple. It's, not, it's called using your gifts that God has given you. And the problem is, uh, so many times we just think God hasn't given us any. Because I'm afraid to speak, or I'm afraid of whatever. And I'll tell you, I, I didn't mention this in the early service, so here's a bonus. Uh, we're going to have small groups coming up. If that's news to you, I'm sorry to, to shock you this morning, but... Small groups are fantastic because we are going to be in, in, in small groups in people's homes where you will be given an opportunity to find out some of those gifts. Because hopefully in those small groups you get connected that you'll be able to make some relationships and be able to express some of those. Uh, some of the fantastic stories I could tell you are people that would not stand um, in front of people and pray hearing them pray for the first time in our small group, getting to experience that. A buddy of mine this week, was uh, uh, we had a long conversation, and he just started uh, preaching. I don't know what you guys think about you know, your theology, about how God gets involved in different things in life. Uh, I don't think God just manually controls us or anything, but I do believe he can step in and, and make some things happen. So one day my buddy called me, and he, he's a guy who he would pray publicly, but he did not want to speak. Like, he would say, no, seriously, I might pass out. Like, I asked him to uh, speak in a summer series one time, and, and he did it. But he warned me, and then his wife called me and warned me, and that kind of thing. Like, he, it might not go well. But he called me one day, he said, I think I want to fill in. You know, I think I want to fill in priests, you know, no, you know, kind of a light commitment. You know, don't, don't call me every week, but I kind of want to fill in. The next day, another buddy of mine at a church in my hometown called me and said, hey, do you know anybody who would want to preach and fill in? Like, you can ignore that if you want to. God's doing some stuff right there. I'm sorry. And so I, I said, yeah, I do. Of course, then my buddy started crawfishing a little bit, and he did in our conversation. He said, I'm not sure I said preach. You know, uh, he's kind of softening what he said. But what, what he said in our conversation, I think he's preached three times now, is that how God has used him through this. He's a guy, I mean, literally, he thought he would pass out standing in front of people. Now he's preached three times, and he looks forward to it because of the blessing God gives him through the study of the Word. So many times we don't understand how God has gifted us because we refuse to try anything. We let fear take over everything we're doing, and so we haven't gotten involved in anything, so we don't know how God has gifted us or or that passion that may be pulled out in us. I told him, I've been kind of warning him. I said, by the way, this is how I started too. 
You know, I was in IT. And all of a sudden, I start filling in. I said, you, you ready to go back to school? <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Not doing that. But we have to be willing and able. We have to uh, be in this moment where we tell God, yes, that I will be a part of this that I choose to be a disciple, that to make disciples of all nations, I've got to be a person who, who first is a disciple. So those of you here this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're a, a parent, a grandparent, or you have influence over uh, some young ones, that you first be that disciple. That maybe today at lunch, it, it, it needs a, hey, I'm sorry, I hadn't been acting the way I need to, the way I know I, I should act, and I want to be a better example for you. I'll tell you what, that's what I want for my kids. I want them to know daddy's not perfect. But what daddy does, like we talked about last week, is uh, when we talked about David and confession and things like that, is that when daddy messes up, then he tries to make it right with God. That's the lesson I want for my kids. Let's not be afraid of that. That we walk a better walk today than we have in the, in the past week, that we continually move closer to God, that he brings us, because we have said yes to him, that he brings us closer to him. And that's what will happen in this church. We will rapidly increase, as that, that verse said, if we would just be disciples, if we would just follow Jesus along the way, not just come in here and be okay with just coming and sitting and leaving and doing something else. That wherever we go, we understand we are salt and light within the world. And so we have our antennas up. I... Uh, I saw on Facebook, and probably some of you in here posted as well, but uh, there's a family coming into town uh, soon, and they posted on uh, Mont Bellevue, what's going on in Mont Bellevue or something. Hey, we want a place to worship. You know, could you guys give any recommendations? And they had a list of stuff, like they wanted communion every week, and I was like, yes, uh, must be Church of Christ. You know, I don't know, either Catholic or Church of Christ, I don't know which. But I posted, I said, hey, you know, we want to welcome you, we'll do whatever. And, and several other people from this church did too. And we have to have our antennas up because those people are coming. There are people coming that will bless this church who we do not know where they are coming from, who they are, what they look like, but they are coming. What kind of church are they going to find when they get here? Is it going to be a bunch of people who are just okay with calling themselves Christians and kind of just going about the day-to-day? -day? Are they going to find a church that's serious about loving people, about I see a new face at the door, I want to welcome them, I want to bring them, I want to take them to lunch, I want to, how can I serve, and they will bless us as well? What will they find? Because one of those will lead us, I think, down the right road. People are spiritual. There have been a lot of studies on this, and I know we get kind of depressed. Oh, we're going away from church. Well, people aren't necessarily going away from church, but they do want something that is serious. They do want something that is impactful. They do not want something that is fake. And so our young people, when they come, if they see people who are just faking their way through it, they don't have any reason to get involved in that, and why would they? Let's be the church we know we're supposed to be. Let's be disciples so we can make disciples. If there's any need that you have this morning, we would love to pray with you, pray for you. Uh, if you haven't put on Jesus to begin your walk with him in baptism, uh, we'd love to do that as well this morning. Would you come as we stand and sing?